0: suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelinsky. The Sheila Zelinsky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello listeners and welcome to this episode of the Sheila Zielinski Show. It is so good to be on with you today. Thank you for tuning in and wonderful news. I have a very special guest today and he's never been on my program before and I don't know how he's not because... We have so much in common. I've wanted to have him on for a long time. Our schedules just have not enabled that to happen, but I do have him on today. And it is my pleasure to introduce to the listeners, Dan Duval. Dan, welcome to the program.
1: Well, it's great to be on here, Sheila. It is about time, praise the Lord. It's so nice to uh, join you.
0: Well, I know that some of my listeners are very familiar with your work and some are not. And of course, we have a lot of new listeners tuned in. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm the founder of Bride Ministries. I've written four books. um, And our vision is to promote unity in the body of Christ and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. The vision itself is really big and um, essentially building towards it by doing one project at a time um, as, as it's being led by the Lord. So, Right now, what we are actually doing is a weekly podcast. We run what I call discipleship groups, and and these are really cool because what we've essentially been doing is creating eight-week courses that will empower and equip believers to more effectively engage God and their faith. Uh, The four courses that we're offering right now are Grace in Christ, the Kingdom, and Spiritual Warfare, and In addition to doing that, we are actually really big advocates for the deprogramming and the healing of individuals that have been through satanic ritual abuse, that have dissociative identity disorder, and have even been part of government-sponsored mind control projects. And this has been an outflow of something that God has just kind of brought to my attention. And Yeah, we have uh, really been making huge strides as we have become more and more aware of just how big that problem is. And so we are uh, working to create right now a community of coaches and we're going to springboard that into a DID coaching school to empower and train more individuals to work with survivors and to know all that's necessary to be effective in this ministry to ultimately deprogram and bring healing to thousands and thousands of people, if I have any say in it, that have really been recipients of the worst crimes imaginable uh, in all of the history of humanity. So these are some of the major uh, points that our ministry is touching right now. And as we grow, we are looking to Create actually this year, an internet-based ministry service. And also, we're looking to uh, build a media studio, actually.
0: Wow. Do so, uh, have, you um, haven't bit off too much?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I was like, do you sleep? <laughs> I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, that's a handful of what you're doing. And spiritual warfare, especially because we know who we're battling. It's not with flesh and blood. We know what we're battling. So spiritual warfare is huge discipleship is a huge component and empowerment of people. I love that word you use because empowering people to actually use their kingdom authority, that's important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Sheila, (laughs) we're going to get into it right away. If you ask me, you just asked me a very significant question. This is the problem, Sheila. You have a lot of Christians running around that do not know their authority in Christ. They're getting their butts kicked yeah. by a defeated foe. And yet, for some reason, it doesn't seem like anything clicks. There are many believers that try things and then find that what they try doesn't work. Their leaders don't equip them or give them a foot up because many of their leaders are just getting their butt kicked and are hypocrites about it. They don't talk about it. And then they're left wondering, like, who is this God I serve? Can he be trusted? Does he really have power? So, um, What I have found is that he has great power, and there is a way that God does things. He actually uh, operates according to certain parameters, and when we understand the mechanics and principles of how God moves, we are really equipped to stop getting our butts kicked and kick the devil's butt. I tell people, uh, you shouldn't be running from fear, but fear should be running from you. And Sheila, I'm going to be honest with you. When I realized and discovered God's kingdom, it changed my whole view and understanding of what even the last days mean and what even today means for me, a believer, that in the midst of chaos has access to all of the resources of heaven, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, if you want to talk about that, man, we can go there. Because th- this thing is, I i see a lot of things coming on the earth, Sheila. I am no fool. I, am, I, I do not have my head in the sand. Um, <laughs> and th- I'll tell you what, with threats of World War III, yeah. famines, increases in all kinds of weather activity that's just ridiculous. I mean, just what two weeks ago we had all these tornadoes sweep through Arkansas, flooding in Texas. Missouri and Texas. <laughs> I mean
0: that's so important because when we're inundated with geoengineering and HARP and chemtrails, we're being inundated with GMO Frankenfoods. We've got we've got so much coming at us. We've got everything but the kitchen. Well, we've actually got the kitchen
1: sink covered. I think at we got too. the kitchen sink, Sheila. And got you the know, kitchen it's, sink. it's
0: funny because as you were talking. I was thinking about a Facebook post, I posted a meme. And it's it's a picture of Jesus. And he says, I told my followers to raise the dead and heal the sick, but all they ever do is talk about what they believe. And I thought that's interesting, because the book of Acts, Dan, because the apostles acted, we're seated in the heavenlies. And I say to people, don't drop your crown to drop your gloves with people. We're not fighting flesh and blood. And the psalmist really paints this incredible picture, of uh, two things of which the world today knows very little, and that's the picture of stability and security. You just touched on something important. The world craves those things and seeks them in various ways, but they never really find them in a true or abiding form, do do they? And it says, of course, it's described there in Psalm 125, but it says... There is those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endure forever. That verse, the psalmist really gives a beautiful picture how the Lord, he provides stability and security for his people. We don't have to be fearing. And yet that's all you see out there is this inundation of fear, don't you?
1: Gosh, well put. (laughs) Fear is a big problem, Sheila. And I, I, I don't buy it. Uh, I buy being in the know. I buy being realistic. I, I buy wisdom. But I don't buy fear. You know what? Fear, fear is the enemy of faith. And without faith, no one can please God. You know, when we're in fear, Sheila, we're not pleasing God.
0: Because we're not in faith. I mean, Paul says to be without faith is to sin. That's kind of a frightening thing.
1: <laughs> but you know the question is why, Sheila? Why? Why am I not allowed to be scared? Daniel and Sheila, you guys did you did you not read what happened last week? Why am I not allowed to be scared? Philippians 3:20 says for we are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The wording of that passage is so funny. Because I ask believers, I say, where are you waiting for Jesus to come back? Right here. (laughs) (laughs) That's where your mind is. You know, there's this idea of being heavenly minded and, and also earthly minded. And the truth is we are simultaneously existing, Sheila, in heaven and on earth. And we know that. Because Ephesians 2, 6 says, For we have past tense been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. So the thing is that faith, faith is what connects us to the realm that we are abiding in spiritually as believers. And that realm is full of resources that solve the problems that we engage in this world. And when we purposefully disconnect from that in favor of fear, that's very frustrating. You know, the Bible says that I do not frustrate the grace of God for his righteousness has come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That passage, Sheila, that one will really mess you up (laughs) because, you know, how, how do you make Christ's death in vain by frustrating the grace of God. You know, people, well, oftentimes we will define grace as unmerited favor. And so we say, well, how do you you frustrate unmerited favor and make Christ's death in vain? That doesn't seem to make sense. Maybe Paul didn't know what he was talking about. Sheila, I'm going somewhere with this. You know that the word I do not frustrate in the Greek actually means to set aside? (laughs) When... When we don't partner with God, what we are essentially doing is setting aside certain things, namely grace. And, you know, I said in the beginning, we have some discipleship classes that we do through Bride Ministries. One is grace, two is in Christ, three is the kingdom, and four is spiritual warfare. In the grace class, I tell everyone, there are four theologically acknowledged definitions of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Yes, that's true. Grace is also divine influence upon the heart. Grace is God's ability and grace is the finished work. And so when you begin to look at what Paul is saying there, he's saying, I don't set aside the finished work of God, for if righteousness is come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He said, I don't set aside the ability of God... <laughs> What? See, many believers have no idea that what God has equipped us with is access to the very ability that Jesus Christ has to live and express his life, power, and kingdom through us. And so when we go into fear, we are literally taking that provision, setting it aside, and sitting down on our lump and wallowing in misery and uselessness when we could be taking the variability of Jesus Christ into the battlefield and making the death of Christ not in vain, because when God has given us something so great, so powerful, so profound as his very finished work, and then we put it to the side in favor of fear, sitting down and going into self-misery, poverty mentality, defeatism, hatred of self, so on and so forth, that's very frustrating. That's, like, ridiculous. And, you know, we have no idea how ridiculous we look to the populations in heaven because the Bible does say, for we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. It's like, gosh, you know, I look at the body of Christ and I'm like, oh, Lord, this must be so hard for you. For all that you've given us, what are we doing with it? Wallowing in fear? Well, God didn't
0: give us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. And faith comes by hearing the word. Yet, you know, people are so busy posting what they had for dinner on Facebook. They don't have time to get in the word. And I say the word is a discerner, people. ISIS ought to be scared of Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing prayer warriors. And Jesus I know, Paul I know, the sloppy, agape, greasy grace. That's not what we're talking about here, is it?
1: Oh, come on. Sheila, I am talking about connecting to the very ability of God. You know, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith and not that of ourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. See, it's not greasy, sloppy agape that gets us into the kingdom of God. It's the ability of God and the finished work through Jesus Christ that grants us access to his kingdom. That's it. I tell believers, Sheila, is that what we, have, what we have, where our disconnect is, is that we trust the ability of God to save us, and we do not trust the ability of God to keep us. We get saved by grace through faith, <laughs> and then we go into legalism or just stupidity and sloppiness. This is a huge disconnect. If God's ability is what's going to put you in heaven, why don't you try living by God's ability on the earth? In the book of Corinthians, it says, He is able to make all grace abound towards us, that we, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. You know, when you think about what kind of works God designed us to do in the earth, and I don't care what kind of season it is. This was just as true for the Christians dying in those Roman colosseums as they were being martyred as it will be for us as we're going into 2016. The grace of God being his ability has the authority to cause us to abound to every good work.
0: If somebody does not understand the cross as it regards sanctification and redemption. I mean, all the other stuff is really is meaningless. Paul tells us in the fifth chapter of Galatians, well, the entire book of Galatians, especially though in that fifth chapter, he's warning the church at Galatia. He's saying Christ shall profit you nothing. Well, Christ and him crucified, that's huge. And yet people don't quite get that, do they?
1: (sighs) The cross of Jesus Christ That is the anchor point that all of history, and especially as told according to the Bible, points towards prior to the event, and everything that is happening points back to. We are designed to walk in what was obtained 2,000 years ago. It's an eternal work that can never be superseded or undone. And Sheila, I think one of the biggest problems that Christians run into is that because they don't understand just how much Jesus accomplished at the cross, they find themselves serving a God that they see as lacking in ability to solve the problems and needs that they confront on a daily basis. They gauge their experience and put it on a higher level than a revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ at that cross. You know, the Bible says that He disarmed principalities and powers, triumphing over them, making an open show of them. In it, yep. uh, there, there are not very many believers that engage life as if that's true. Uh, many believers, in fact, are shaking in their boots, and <laughs> it, it's 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 really. Um, unfortunate because, you know, if, if there's one thing that, that the powers of darkness do quake in their boots about, it's a believer that wakes up and passes the tests to mature into authority in Christ because they, they can't stop them. Jesus said this, no man can take my life from me but I lay it down. That's right. You know, there is a place in Christ where you arrive and realize that there's not a power in hell or on earth that literally has the authority to take you out unless God says, okay, you've finished your assignment. Um, Not very many people arrive there, but... This is, you know, exactly what we see Jesus walking in. And then the same person just so happened to say, and, you know, try to wrap your mind around this, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works will you do also because I go to the Father.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people think that greater works means greater number, but whether it's greater in numbers or greater in works or greater in power, the point is that he goes to the Father. He intercedes on our behalf. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's really, really important, isn't it?
1: You know, the Bible, Sheila, says that without holiness, no man will see God. Sin separates us from the influence of God in and through our lives. And ultimately, the Bible says the end of sin is death. There's a big problem with sin. And You know, it means to miss the mark, Hamarsha, which means that if you want to hit the mark or you want to hit the target, well, you stop sinning. You know, the Bible has a real—I mean, this is so profound when you get into all these uh, concepts, you know, what what righteousness means in the Bible. You know, the Bible says— Though by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You know, that essentially you can redefine that and say, those who receive abundance of God's ability, his finished work, his divine influence upon their hearts and unmerited favor. Um, <laughs> those who receive abundance of that and the gift of righteousness or right standing with God Uh, will reign in life. You know, righteousness is a gift. And some sloppy jalopies, sloppy agape uh, Christians will say, well, yeah, since righteousness is a gift, we just, you know, get saved, we get our free ticket to heaven, and and everything's uh, la-di-da. Well, what they... Ignore is the fact that if you are committing adultery and fornication and lasciviousness and thefts and robberies, Galatians 5, right? these things do not inherit the kingdom of God, there's a huge disconnect there. What God designed righteousness to do in that it is his gift— To us is that he intended the righteousness that he gives us to be reflected through us so that when people see us, they don't see fake fraudulent religious attempts at uh, being a hypocrite, but they see the very nature and person and characteristics of God redeeming flawed vessels that are attaining to the promises he has given them. Now, that that's a radical believer because, you know what, that's empowerment to get kingdom business done.
0: Absolutely. And the only way we can overcome the world, and I mean the only way, is by placing our faith exclusively in the cross of Christ and keeping it there. But we're we're so busy running around finding solace and, you know, we're flipping coins and popular opinion and what's my neighbor saying? And, you know, it's just absolutely frightening. We come out of the chute in 2016 and I'm telling you, like, people are, they're angry. They're in an uproar. They're they're not living in victory. They're defeated. They're frustrated. I've got, if I could send you, I, I love you guys too much to send you my email. So it's just, <laughs> I think there's just overarching defeat and Satan is loving
1: it. Well, Sheila, you know, you are what you eat.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, what are they eating though? They're certainly not eating the word. They're not ingesting the word of God. The word of God is Jesus Christ in black and white. And yet... These people are spiritually anemic, and that's a fact. I mean, ambassadors? Ambassadors are not defeated and hopeless, are they?
1: You know what it means to be an ambassador?
0: Yeah. It means
1: to be a representative of the highest order, Sheila. Amen. It means to be a representative of the highest order. You know, Christians, they don't understand what they're representing. See, I wrote a book called Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. Is that about New Age? No, that's about how to understand what you're dealing with in God's kingdom. See, a lot of believers are disconnected from the fact that they are ambassadors of God's kingdom because they can't see it. But the Bible says the natural man perceiveth not the things of the spirit. He doesn't understand them. It is our spirit man, Sheila, that is participating as a citizen of God's kingdom and receiving the role of representative of the highest order from God's kingdom. But our spirits in us, because the Bible says in First Thessalonians 5, 23, uh, I pray that the God of peace sanctify you wholly, that your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three part being body, soul and spirit. Our spirits are the part of us that are connected to that kingdom, that realm, that place, that country that belongs to God. And in order for that part of us to express its calling as a representative of the highest order, we have to get what God is doing in that part of us through our soul our mind, will, and emotions, which is where many Christians store up the fear and the shame and the hatred and neglect and everything the world has pumped them full of, so they can't even connect with what God is doing with them on his side of reality. I'm in the business of getting people connected with their source, which is Christ, which is God on his throne, which is his Holy Spirit that he has placed in us as a seal unto the day of redemption. But this is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, Sheila. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one, and it doesn't say soul, it says one spirit with him. That means that our spirit contains the Holy Spirit. That's where we're sealed. That has to get through our soul. And this is why the Bible says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you are what you eat. As you renew your mind with what? The word of God. You will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You begin to connect with that Person that you were designed and built to be, and that becomes the ambassador that God has in the earth. You become a representative of the highest order, and that manifests as your life. You know, Sheila. When I went to Rwanda in 2013, I didn't know anybody but the person that I was going there to work with. I was there for three weeks. When I left that country, I was one degree of separation from the president, and I sat down with several government officials. There were all divine connections. God has a way of maneuvering people into positions of influence and having all kinds of things because when they're connected with his kingdom, his kingdom is more powerful, more wealthy, more resourced, more established, more able and capable of getting things done than any kingdom in the earth. And you know what? We're so disconnected with that. We're still sitting on our stump while I'm talking, wallowing in our pity and giving ourselves a pity party like, woe is me, I'm a Christian and looks like I won't be going anywhere, but, you know, uh, exactly where I don't want to be, which is right where I am. This is ridiculous, Sheila.
0: I cannot concur more. You have just absolutely nailed a right now message because it is so true. I'm sure God just sits up there and shakes his head like why are my people i've given you power to tread on serpents let's look at all the things that he said he's given us he's given us a one-way ticket to the kingdom things and yet we're on a one-way train wreck to the abomination i mean it's just it is really hard to wrap my head around and it, this frustrates me so much because this is the the linking, connecting piece of all the emails that I get is defeat and mm. lack of kingdom living. We are seated in the heavenlies. What part of that do we not get? And that is not a defeated sitting there kicking a stone and shaking our fist at God. That's not seated in the heavenlies. And these people that are in these churches listening to kumbaya, let's join hands, who cares what's going on. And, you know, we don't worry about all this Mark of the Beast and the end time prophetics and the eschatology and people in a dystopic trance singing kumbaya. They're going to their church and listening to a PowerPoint presentation on nothing about Jesus nothing about conviction, and it's frightening because these people are going to a devil's hell and not living victorious life. I mean, those are two pretty frightening realities.
1: Mm. Let me tell you a quick story, Sheila. Now, as I said in the beginning, one of our big things at Bride Ministries, it, we, we are creating solutions for survivors, people that have been in you know, <laughs> satanic cults. Um, realistically, we're getting contacted by people that are are just, uh, really, really broken, um, government projects, you name it. Uh, I am working with people that have been through it, seen it. Um, I'm realistically working with some of the most highly programmed people in the world. I I have people that were programmed by the, you know, Baron Guy de Rothschild. I mean, you, you know. This is what, and as a matter of fact, you know, so so when I'm dealing with stuff, right, when I talk faith, right, people, sometimes people, they look at me they're like, oh, this little child, you know, he doesn't, doesn't know what he's talking about. Wait till the real world hits him. Well, let me tell you something about the real world, okay? I'm on the phone. I, I work with a person, and they're in another country. And they have Illuminati programming. And, I, and if you want to go there, I can go there and explain, you know, some of that. But, you know, it, essentially, they're a bloodliner. They come from several bloodlines and uh, these bloodlines go way back and it's so much generational iniquity. And, and so bloodliners, you know, they're targeted for lots of mind control projects, uh, rituals, abuse, you can't even imagine. And, and I'm helping them to get set free. So there, there, this, this thing goes so far beyond the spirit. Yeah. It's into uh, all kinds of technologies. We're sitting there. I'm over here in America. There, and where, where they live, the <laughs> helicopter. Not kidding. A a, a black unmarked helicopter g- g- flies over their house, and begins blasting them with psychotronic weapons. I mean, these are literally wave-based technologies that are designed to create certain influences inside of a person, mess with their brainwave signature. Um, in a in in a case of a person that's been programmed and they have different personalities, it'll. It, it, it can potentially pull up different personalities. I mean,
0: those people sitting out there that are going, Oh yeah, this is getting a little weird. I'll tell you what, why don't you just go Google DARPA projects. If you don't think that this is legit folks, there are these psychotronic weaponry. I mean, there are things right out of a sci-fi that you don't want to know about. And this is, this is realistic reality based things that are occurring to these people. And it's, it's quite traumatic.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, this is this is old tech. I mean, you can find books. Um, uh, Nick Begich wrote a book called, yeah. I, I believe yeah. it's called Controlling the Human Mind. And he explains how this technology works. He wrote it years and years ago. This is old stuff. I mean, they have um, denial of service weapons. They, they can just blast you with a wave and make your skin feel like it's going on fire. And, you know, they can do, torture people this way. It's just, this is not new stuff. Um, they have a helicopter. They're doing this. We're in the middle of our session. Why would they do this in the middle of our session? We, they don't like what we're doing. Um, so what did I do? Sheila, I prayed against the helicopter. I just went into. I'll say, let, let's just pause, you know, they're telling me about it. They see it out the window. And I just go after the helicopter in Jesus' name. They actually see a light begin to flow, ebb, and flux in and out of the helicopter. It, like, materializes in the spirit realm. <laughs> this light, as I'm going at it in spiritual warfare. I mean, look, the Bible says that if you command the mountain to be removed and cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart but believe that what you say is true, you will have what you ask. This light is passing through the helicopter. Within minutes, it flies off. Gone. Done. Problem solved. Back to business. Sheila, this is, I mean, look, when I'm talking faith, I'm talking this is what I stand in when I'm doing stuff like that. The point is there are technologies
0: that are people's worst nightmare and they say, "Well, whoa, you guys were just saying we shouldn't fear that sounds scary." Well, the point is we have dominion over the air, the land, the earth. I mean, we, we're not exercising our authority and it is powerful when you can do something like you just talked about. I mean, that's a, it really solidifies that in the natural we're hooped. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, Sheila. See, Christians, we don't know what we've been endowed with. We're totally disconnected from God and his kingdom and his resources. We're totally disconnected. Let me, let me give you an example. Ephesians one three says, We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. People say, well, my life's not blessed. Well, let me ask you a question. Where are you living out of? You know, well, my bank account and my job? Well, that's your problem.
0: But let me just interject this. I mm-hmm. cannot agree more that people are living and they're plugged into a world system and they wonder why the world system doesn't work when you just like if you go to another country you just talked about you've been to another country you have to get to know the culture the whole overarching governing system of that country it's it's money it's food We're not plugged into this system. We are in a kingdom system of God's kingdom. And that is really, I think, why things don't work for people, isn't it? You know, it's like Elijah said at the showdown of the Prophets of Baal. How are you going to falter between this opinion and that opinion? You have one foot in the world, one foot in the things of God, and it doesn't work. Isn't that really the piece there?
1: (laughs) Let me ask you a question, Sheila. When Jesus fed the 5,000, where did the food come from? (laughs) Listen, I'm just following in the footsteps of my master. If I don't see it in the natural, I assume it's in the spirit because I will have whatever I need. It's going to be provided according to the abundance of his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something, Sheila, and your listeners. The, The Babylon system and its principles do not apply to the kingdom of god and its principles. That's right. Two different systems. The the Babylon, guess what it works on? Fear, contempt, <laughs> hatred, uh lies, right? The kingdom of god works on generosity and truth and peace and um, wisdom. You know, it, they, they're different systems and they have different principles that govern them. You, you can't take from one and try to apply it to the other and think it's going to work. It that's doesn't.
0: Right, that's
1: right. It, it doesn't, you know. If you think that you're going to have great gains and additions made to your life from God while your focus is on the world, you, you're going to run into a problem because the Bible says, uh, he who seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... Well, to him will be added all these things.
0: Yeah, but people always want to leave out that end piece about his righteousness, his right way of doing things. And what did Jesus say? If you're my disciple, well, you're going to be doing the things
1: that he did. Sheila, people are confused. They are confused. Let me tell you something. People don't understand the way God's set things up. You you know, you, you brought up a word, dominion. Um, Now, let me just say this. I'm not a dominionist as an eschatological approach to understanding what's coming on the earth. Okay. So I'm just going to say that. But a lot of people, they think that um, essentially God gave everything to Satan and we just have to survive. Wrong. The Bible says in Psalm 115, 16, the heaven, even the heavens, heavens, plural, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Absolutely. We realized, Sheila, in in working with survivors and high-level occultists and everything else like that, you know, I kept getting this question, it's like, why do the demons and the fallen angels and the cosmic powers and everything else like that need people to do their dirty work? Why was I involved in all these rituals? That's the question I got many times. I didn't understand the answer to that question until I realized that we're the ones that have the right to be here and the right to this planet. We're the ones that were created from the dust of the earth and we're the ones that God spoke to when he said that man was given dominion over the fish and over the birds and over the planet. What the devil does is he pirates it by getting men in agreement with his dirty work. So they get people at the rituals involved in the processes to bring in the demons and to summon the, you know, and and to do the incantations and to send the curses. They involve humans because we're the ones that have the authority on this planet. We deliver it to Satan when we agree with him. And so when we're in fear, guess what we just delivered to Satan? <laughs> yeah. Oh, why isn't my life working? Well, you're in Babylon, brother. Listen, when we get out of fear and into faith, we reposition ourselves spiritually, Sheila. And it doesn't mean that things aren't happening on the earth and that evil isn't going to come and that darkness isn't, you know, there. It, it simply means we're on a different platform to deal with it.
0: Well, and the thing is, it's not just, again, some cutesy statement to say we are in this world, but not of this world. Jesus Christ himself said, I'm not from this world. I mean, he didn't bow down to this. He did his own show. He did his own program. And, of course, he was considered a radical. You know, they were in an uproar over his absolute antics. And yet he challenged the authority of these false teachers, the woe unto you, Pharisees and Sadducees, when Jesus Christ says, woe unto you, you better pay attention to what follows there, huh?
1: <laughs> Amen.
0: But you bring up a really good point, Dan. We should not be operating in this system yet. People go, well, what are you saying? Quit my job and do that. You know, people get really offended when you start talking about. And, and I guess the point is, what does that look like? What does kingdom living, true kingdom living What does it look like when we are in this world and we have to pay bills and we have to go to work? We have to have some kind of an income. I mean, give the listeners a sense of what that can look like.
1: Well, Sheila, let's be real. I pay bills. You pay bills. I actually need to make money just like you. Um, I am not saying quit your job and do nothing or try to live off the land only. What I'm saying is where's your heart at? What I'm saying is where you're hard at, because this is the thing. A person that lives in Babylon says that my job is my source. A person that lives in God's kingdom says God's kingdom is my source, and it will provide all of my needs through the means and the position that God has planted me in. So, if God's planted me at a job, I am going to do an excellent job at that place where I've been assigned, reflect his kingdom and keep in mind at all times that he is my source. And if that job fails, there will be another provision that comes in. And if that provision fails, well, there'll be another one on the heels of that because God is my provider. It doesn't mean that we go into foolishness or laziness or sloppiness in life. Sheila, it's a heart issue. Absolutely.
0: Well, your JOB is not your provider, folks. So, and with especially Dan, with all the, I'm getting inundated with people saying, my husband's lost his job. We've lost our jobs, government cutbacks. 94 million Americans are out of work. You would think that would wake people up to what kind of system that we're tapped into here. Well, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Well, how about you turn to your provider? That's not, again, some cutesy phrase that God's going to provide all your needs. Philippians 4.19, he supplies all your needs, not the government, not welfare benefits, not social security. We love to throw that out. Oh, my God, she'll supply all my needs. But when it comes down to it, and everything turns south, are you really going to trust God to provide when it doesn't look like you think it should? When Joseph was sitting there in prison, I'm sure he said, I thought I had a dream, but man, this is not looking too good.
1: Jesus this is an interesting parable Sheila and, and I, I like to bring this up uh, because this one's just fantastic right so there's this rich young ruler Matthew chapter 19 he comes and he says well good teacher what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life and then Jesus comes back he says well, why do you call me good no one is good but one that is God but if you want to enter into life keep the commandments so he says well which ones And Jesus says, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the rich young ruler comes back and he says, well, all of these things I've kept from my youth. So what do I lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect or fully mature, go sell what you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus says the clincher right here. Um, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So, you know, religious Christians, they, they jump on this one and they say, you know, God doesn't want us to have wealth or increase or, or finances or whatever. You know, he wants us to be poor. Because if we're rich, we won't get to heaven. You know, this is actually talking about the kingdom. It says the kingdom of heaven. And what it's really getting at is a heart level issue. Sheila, the guy trusted in his ability to provide for himself more than God's ability, realm, and kingdom to be his provision. One of the greatest tests that God will put a person that he is calling to high places Can you surrender everything that you have garnered up for yourself in your flesh so that you can learn to operate out of the resources of my kingdom, even if you do have abundance in the natural? See, it's a very different mentality when you're living out and connected to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. It's a very different mentality. It says, even though I have a million dollars in the bank, I'm still believing that God is my provider and not that chunk of cash it's a philosophy on life that is a prevailing subconscious program. It says, no matter what the natural looks like, God is my provider. The person that has fully given themselves over to the kingdom realizes that their provision is there with $1 in the bank account or a million dollars in the bank account with a job that they go to at 8 a.m. or no job that they go to at 8 a.m. But See, when people, they have a job and they trust the job and they think that that is their provision and then they lose the job, they're in chaos and confusion. You know what? They haven't connected to the kingdom.
0: Well, and they were even more astonished when he said to them, then who can be saved? They were astonished and they looked at him and Jesus said, well, with people it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When I went into full-time ministry, people said, how do you pay your bills? You, you just trust God's going to provide somehow through the work that you do for the Lord. That's pretty goofy. How do you know where you're at? Isn't that interesting that when you step out in faith and you do trust, if you know, you're doing your calling, you're out there for God. And it might not look like you think, but we don't have our 501c3. We don't have our 401ks. It looks pretty sketchy, Dan. <laughs>
1: But Sheila, this is the thing I'm talking about, right? Well, you started off the whole program. Why are people in fear? We have a big problem. I say we're disconnected from God's kingdom. We're disconnected from everything he did for us. As I was saying earlier, Ephesians 1.3, we've been best blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You know, we get hung up on the every spiritual blessing when we are not experiencing blessings in our lives. But then we never get to the second half of that verse, which says in heavenly places, in heavenly places. You you could substitute that with the, the realm of God's kingdom.
0: Well, I think it's confusing for people when all they hear is planes, trains, and automobiles by Creflo Dollar Bill and his huckster pals. And of course, as Kenneth Copeland said, Jesse and I can't ride commercial because you can't hear from God on commercial in that long lineup of demons. And it's frightening how the prosperity gospel has twisted the fact that God does want us to be blessed, that doesn't just mean dollar bills.
1: No. No, it doesn't. You know what else it means, Sheila? It means physical health. You know, it's really hard to fulfill your calling if you're stuck in diabetes. Or if you're hopped up
0: on all these psychotropic drugs, Pharmacia, Have you listened to these commercials? Mm. If you go blind, call your doctor.
1: You know what else it means, Sheila? It means peace. It really does. It means peace. That's a blessing from God. Well, I'm talking about connecting to heavenly places, Sheila. I'm talking about connecting to heavenly places. It see again it this idea taking us back to what, what is the source that we're living out of? What, what are we connecting to? When, when we begin to realize that we can connect to a realm that provides our every need. And and this is relational, this is physical, this is health. You know, healing is in the atonement. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. I mean, provision is in the finished work of Jesus Christ because God provides our every need out of the abundance of his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. New identity. The Bible says we're kings and priests for crying out loud. Revelation 1.6. You know what it also says? Through great and precious promises, we are become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. Amen. Sheila, the promises of God. I mean, you know, What does it mean to partake of the divine nature? You know, we we as Christians, we read over these profound statements of truth and belittle it, and we sit on our lump, stuck in fear, and we just wallow in our own pity parties. I mean, Sheila, the promises of God— which are present in his word all throughout the Bible, are designed to cause us to participate in the very nature of God. That takes you to a higher level of operation. Suddenly, you you look at the world as a whole different thing. (laughs) You, You don't engage the world the same way when you begin to partake of the very nature of God through his promises. That's good. You begin to live in this world as if you really are a son or a daughter of God. You know what it is to be royalty? I mean, when you talk about what it says in Ephesians 3, it says, I bow my knee to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family— family in heaven and on earth is named. You know, we have not been left as orphans, but we have been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. That is royal family, royalty. There's no throne higher than the throne of God. And he said, I have made you heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I mean, what does it mean to be a co-heir? What does it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature? We're so stuck on (laughs) fear and pity parties. We are we are completely disconnected from identity. It's 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 sad. And and you know the funny thing is the devil's laugh, I mean he is just laughing over this because realistically there is a company of people that could be kicking him in the teeth day and night.
0: Absolutely, that is such a good point. It's like when the Leonard Ravenhill phrase that he said, "I want to be at the top of the devil's hit list." I mean, really, the devil ought to be scared of us.
1: Well, let me tell you something, Sheila. I have dealt with a lot of the devil's top guns um, yeah, yeah. in the spirit realm, at least. I could give you a long list of principalities, powers, <laughs> rulers, and dominions, um, you name it. And it's, it's amazing to see what happens um, as you begin to really walk into your authority. Now, I've had powers. I mean, last time I encountered a Jezebel. <laughs> she came out of the person. She's like, I know who you are. And I'm like, good. Now get out. Get out you know, in Jesus um, name. <laughs> the, the thing is, uh, y- you realize that the God that you serve isn't intimidated by a single one of them. Absolutely.
0: You know, people go, well, you know, I don't like talking about demons or affliction or demonic affliction or deliverance or whatever. I mean, churches won't touch it with a 10 foot pole, which is really Convenient for Satan, the one thing that scares him, he's got us convinced that that stuff is, ooh, that's taboo. So, I mean, isn't
1: that convenient? Come on, Sheila. As a matter of fact, you could be preaching on this. Maybe I should ask you some questions. (laughs) Sheila, what do you think about the absence of deliverance in Christian ministry?
0: It boils my blood. And the reason that it does is because why do you think that he said, I give you all the power over the enemy in Luke there? Why would he say that? He said, I give you all the power to tread on serpents. You're not fighting flesh and blood. I don't know what part of that people don't get, but they're going to take up arms and join a militia and load their shotguns. And I'm not saying we don't have the right to bear arms. That's a whole other show. But I'm saying we need to be focusing our weapons on where they're most effective. And we're not effectively doing spiritual warfare in the church. And I think it's a travesty.
1: You know, I found that a lot of churches, they like to make the demons comfortable.
0: You know what I say? I'll take that one step further. Oh. I say Satan, he's not against the church. He's running most of them.
1: Well, there's a lot of infiltration that goes on, Sheila. As a matter of fact, I mean, we know for a Because fa- I, I, I work with people that were church infiltrators as just, they served the various organizations and occult groups that they worked. I, I know all about it. I, I mean, it's just profound, some of the stuff. Like, um, one of the people that did a lot of interviews with me, Carolyn Hamlet, you know, she, her mom actually had this... She has a story about her mom that she's shared publicly. It's just incredible, you know? And so her mom was illumined and she served the ascended masters and she had really pretty crazy powers. And so what she did was she wrote a sermon for a pastor, sat down in the pew and telepathically communicated the sermon to the pastor who at the pulpit had a sudden burst of revelation and said, you know what? I'm going to not use my notes because I have a different message today. And, preached the message she was telepathically communicating to him. Now, this is what happens when you have a believer that is not covered by spiritual armor, does not have the loins of his mind girded up. Um, She took over the service from the pew. And when the service was over, the guy She was talking with him and he's like, yeah, you know, I just felt really great about today's sermon. And she smiled and pulled out the paper that she had written the sermon on and said, here, they brought him into the organization. He was actually completely subdued. (laughs) Stuff like this happens. Sheila, this happened a long time ago. We're not talking this was like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, (laughs) we're going back to like, I think the 70s, maybe. I'm not sure with the time frame. I I mean, there is... And has been a long-standing agenda to infiltrate the church. And you know what? If the anointing isn't present and people don't realize stuff like this is happening, they cater to it. You know, when demons go into an uproar and people begin to manifest and all that, we, you know, preachers, they get very nervous. We're, we're toppling the apple cart. We're, yeah. we're upsetting the system. We, we don't want to get people upset. Well, you know, people aren't upset. The demons are upset. Let them get upset and then kick them out in Jesus' name. They shouldn't be there in the first place. You know, and it just amazes me how so many times in churches, you know, things start getting upset and fired up and suddenly everyone, we need to shut it all down. We need to shut it all down. We, We need to go back to the basics. Just preach the cross. There's nothing wrong with the message of the cross, but the people that are sitting there that are manifesting are the ones that need to be set free, and the fact that they are manifesting is evidence that you're going in the right direction. The problem is that the body of Christ is in bondage, And the leaders, the gatekeepers, are keeping them in bondage by running from the problem. Well, and everybody says every day, we need a
0: revolution. We need a revolution now. I said, we need a revelation now, people. We need to be getting on our knees. Well, prayer, you know, that is a last resort. No, prayer ought to be a first resort, Daniel.
1: Have you ever seen somebody try to fight a war with a bear trap on their foot? I think my grandpapa
0: <laughs> I had some good old grizzly mountain men from <laughs> you,
1: you try to walk around with a bear trap on your foot you're, you're gonna have some big, you're bleeding out first of all, it's creating a lot of pain, you can't stand up straight, you know, forget about aiming an accurate shot at the enemy you're suffering so bad. You can't focus on something aggressive. You you just want the pain to stop. There are many Christians right now that are sitting there, listening to me talk. They're like, I just want the pain to stop. This is the problem. You want a revolution with people that are fully rising up to everything that God has called them to, you got to take the bear trap off their foot, get them healed, and then put them in the army, get them equipped with a weapon, and then watch them go. See... We're trying to fight a revolution with people that have a bear trap on their foot. That's the problem. And you know what? When you refuse to help people get set free, then you will have an army that is incapacitated with pain. Couldn't agree more.
0: Well, Dan, I could talk to you all day, but we're now at the end of the show. And I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna have to come back and do a part two because we were just we were just warming up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs>
0: Hey, Dan, give out your website for the listeners in the event that they don't have it.
1: Yeah, um, we are found at www.bridemovement.com.
0: Bridemovement.com. Dan, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show for the first time, but do come back and see us soon.
1: Praise God. Thank you.
0: Folks, that was Dan Duval. His website is linked there on today's bio, February 1st at weekendvigilante.com please do check out his site and shoot him an email let him know you heard him on the program today i'm sure that he will appreciate if you reach out to him tomorrow on the program i'm going to be giving everyone updates on what's been going on had some problem with the mixlr player that wasn't working as you know i had some problems with skype i got the skype problem resolved and now i've got a sound problem where guests are really loud And I'm not that loud, so I'm just having some challenges. I've got to get a sound guy in to reconfigure something because this new broadcasting amp that replaced out the old one that was having issues, there's always just problems. And especially the blog talk is such a horrid sound. I am doing the Friday call-in show, and that's a nightmare because of the echo, there's a time delay, and it just doesn't make for a good show. It's not clear, so my Friday show... Coming out of the shoot was um, pretty frustrating because when you're used to the stereo sound and then you listen to blog talk, it's like, oh, good Lord. But the call-in show is something people have requested. Yet, sadly, there was a lot of people in that queue. There was over 100 callers and yet no one was pressing one. So I don't know if I'm going to keep the call-in show. If people don't want to call in, well, I guess this Friday, of course, this Friday, February 5th, I want to hear from you, the listener. And if you don't phone in, then I'm just going to scrap the call-in show because the, the sound is so horrendous. If that's not a value to my listeners, then I'm just going to get rid of it. Don't forget to download the new app, folks. The app is in the App Store, Weekend Vigilante app. It's a great app, even I'm listening to it, and I love it. It's just got so many cool features, a direct link to my podcast there just takes all the agony out of finding the show, listening to the show. My YouTube channel's linked there, my social media's linked, email's linked, it's fantastic. Don't forget it was created for you, the listener, it's customized, and I'm also getting one glitch worked out so that you can multitask while you're listening to the show, while you listen to the show, you can go on other things, and the show will still play. We're still working on that little glitch, but these things cost money. So I want to just remind people that this Thursday is going to be a fantastic show with all the speakers from here, the Watchmen. Hopefully I can get them all on. That is going to be a fantastic program. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about the Steve Quayle contest giveaway. That's about $1,300 worth of stuff. That's amazing. I want to win that contest. Too bad I'm ineligible. Oh, my goodness. Everyone at Steve Quayle's book signed and he's throwing in his documentary and the newest documentary. That's a good package. All you have to do is find a show from about 10 years ago. And I'll tell you a little more about the clues tomorrow on the program, as well as some more exciting news. Boy, the exciting news just keeps getting better. I'll see you tomorrow, folks. Good night and God bless.